But now if you, if you um, take your, your Bible and, and you, you turn to the, to the book of Ecclesiastes, the, the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 11. So if you were here last week, we, were, we looked at the, the end of chapter 9 and the, the beginning of, in all of chapter 10. Um, and we, were, we said that the central theme of that section was the fact that wisdom is better than folly. Yes, wisdom isn't a guarantee that your life will be perfect. Wisdom isn't a guarantee that you're going to get public recognition. But yet, still, we know as believers that, that wisdom is better than folly. And so in chapter 10, Solomon led us through this long list of wisdom. It feels like the book of Proverbs. If you know that in the Old Testament, it's a book of practical Wisdom And last week we highlighted several of the Proverbs within that chapter showing that, yes, in fact, wisdom is better than folly, that we are called to pursue wisdom despite the fact that it doesn't guarantee our lives. And as we come to this text, uh, we're moving into the, to the theme of certainty and uncertainty, that the world is uncertain. And we'll, we'll talk about that. And so this is, this is continuing the theme of this practical wisdom, but it's giving us practical wisdom for facing the uncertainties of life. So again, this is Ecclesiastes chapter 11, and it says in your bulletin that we're going to be looking at a verse uh, at, at all of chapter 11, but we're going to be looking at verse 1 to 6, the very beginning, verse 1 to 6. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you'll find it after many days. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. But the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the way of the, the spirit comes to the bones in the, woman, in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. In the morning, sow your seed, and at evening, Withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we we pray that you would guide our exploration of this passage of scripture. Lord, we we pray that you would give us a a bulwark, armor, against uncertainty, that we can benefit from the the practical words of Scripture and to see practical lessons for day-to-day life, but also we pray that we can continue to see Christ, that we can see what he has done for us in and through this text. And so we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So as I said, life is uncertain. And you see that in, in so many ways as you look at the world. You can think of the, 
geopolitical situation. There's Russia and Ukraine, there's China and Taiwan, there's North Korea and South Korea, there's Israel and Iran, and there's so much uncertainty, we don't know what will happen. Same thing economically, there's uncertainty, there's inflation, recession, unemployment. Will it get better, will it get worse? We don't know, there's uncertainty. And even on a personal level, we face uncertainty. What will happen with our jobs? What will happen with our health? What will happen with our family? And so we face the question of uncertainty. How do we face uncertainty in life? And that's the question that we're exploring today. How do we face uncertainty in life? What we see in this text, in these four verses today, are, are six principles that help us face uncertainty. And so we're going to, did I say six? I Four principles. <laughs> uh, four principles that help us as we explore uncertainty. And so we're going to walk verse by verse through this text, and we're going to look at these four principles for uncertainty. And so here's the, the first principle. Though life is uncertain, and life is uncertain, pursue long-term investments. Pursue long-term investments. Look in your Bible at verse 1 of chapter 11. Again, we're going to be going verse by verse. He says, cast your bread upon the waters, for, for you will find it after many days. And you look at that and you say, well, what in the world is this talking about? Cast your bread upon the waters. How do you obey the command to go and cast your bread upon the waters? It feels almost like when you bring an old loaf of bread down to the ducks and you cast your bread upon the water. Is that what it's talking about? I don't think that's what it's talking about. But I think that as we, as we think about it, on, on one level, this is saying that we should pursue long-term investments practically in a very literal, financial, earthly way. And you see this in the NIV translation of this text. So in, in the world of, of Bible translations, some Bible translations are more of a literal rendering of the original uh, they try as much as they can to stay to the words. Other translations try to be a little bit more interpretive to help you get sooner to the meaning of the text. And the NIV is a more interpretive translation. And it's, this is how it renders verse 1. It says, ship your grain across the sea. After many days, you will receive a return. And so it's reading the, the image of casting bread as shipping grain. This bread is an image for, for grain. And so in a sense, it's talking about a long-term financial investment. It's saying, saying take, take some of your grain that you might want to use now, put it on a ship, send it out to sea. Life is uncertain, but you may receive something back in return. And that's consistent with what we read in 1 Kings 10 verse 22, where it talks about Solomon having a fleet of ships. And it says that he would send out the fleet of ships into the Mediterranean, and that every three years, the ships of Tarshish used to come bringing gold, silver, ivory, apes, and peacocks. Uh, so that the, the ships would go out, 
and then they would come back with wealth. They would cast their bread upon the waters, ship their, their grain upon the waters, and then receive a return, receive a return in the investment. And we know that that principle is true in the real world, that you invest in education. You cast your bread upon the waters. You, you ship your grain out to sea for a time, and then you hope to have a return in the end from the education. Or even if you think of something like the stock market, you, you put money into something, maybe even lock it up where you're not able to access it for a time, and the idea is, yes, there is uncertainty, but you, you take something that you have, you invest it, you ship your grain across the sea, and after many days, you may receive a return. And in a sense, that idea of long-term investment is, is rooted in biblical virtues. You could think of the biblical virtue of patience, that it takes patience to, to ship something out and to wait, hoping that you'll get something back. It takes patience to get education sometimes. It takes patience to invest something and you can't use it now for the needs of the day. It also takes self-denial, which is another biblical virtue that, that so often we want everything now. We want the best things now. And to delay gratification, to wait, is a biblical virtue. And so again, we should pursue these long-term investments financially, Economically, that is a way that this text is often read. But there's a whole other way that commentaries read this text. And I think that, that both are true in a sense, because I think they, they build on one another. That on the surface, what is being laid out here is an economic principle, a financial principle of long-term investment. But I think that, that under the surface, there, we also see the idea that we should pursue long-term investments spiritually, investing in what truly matters. And that's how this text was read by Jews before the coming of Christ. Uh, that's how it was read primarily in the early church all the way through the Reformation, and that, that people saw this speaking into the question of generosity, and scripture itself uses the imagery of investment to describe generosity. And it's interesting that there's actually an Egyptian proverb that has been discovered that was around the time of Solomon that says, do a good deed and throw it into the river. When it dries up, you shall find it. And so it's saying, you know, you probably know how the Nile would rise and then recede. And it said, when the water's high, throw something into the water it seems like you're losing it forever, like it's pointless, but then the waters recede and eventually you'll find it. And that's how you should think about good deeds. And so there's a good chance that when people were reading this for the first time in the ancient world, that, that imagery, that Egyptian imagery might have been in their mind. We don't know for sure. But I think that the, the principle is there, that quite often in life when we are engaged in and generosity, when we're, we're sharing, when we're trying to do something good for another person, it feels as if we're casting our bread upon the waters. It, it feels like we're piling something that's valuable into a ship, sending it off onto a tempestuous sea, thinking that we're never going to see it again. And so you look at that investment, that spiritual investment, you say it's a waste of time, it's a waste of money, I'm not getting anything from this. 
But scripture gives a different picture. This is from Proverbs chapter 19, verse 17. It says, whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deeds. And so there Solomon is saying that there is an investment when we think about generosity. And it's not an investment that is cashed out in this life. It's not just do something good for someone else and maybe eventually they will do something good for you. But it's saying that when you're doing something for another person, you're actually doing it for the Lord and that the Lord is the one who will repay you, that it is the the ultimate long-term investment because it's even beyond the, the confines of this life. And that's what Jesus says as well in Luke chapter 14, verse 13. He says that when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. And so he's not saying that salvation is by works. He's not saying, be a good person, give to the poor, and then God will reward you with salvation. But there is a principle in Scripture that is taught numerous times that for those who are in Christ, there is reward in heaven. There's, there's different levels of reward in heaven. That's a whole other topic we could get into, but that is clearly taught in Scripture, especially by Jesus. Great is your reward in heaven. He says, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. That it's this ultimate idea of a long-term investment, casting your bread upon the waters, receiving something back. And that's why an early church writer, Gregory of Nazianzus, said this. He says that it is far better to be generous to the unworthy for the sake of the worthy than to deprive the worthy out of fear of the unworthy. This seems to have a bearing on our duty to, of casting bread upon the waters. So there you hear him alluding to our text. He says, we're casting bread upon the waters, not that it may be swept away or perish in the eyes of the just examiner, but that it may come to that place where all our goods will be stored up and it will be there to meet us in due time, even though we may not think otherwise that there, there is an ultimate return. And that's what Jesus is saying. As I said in Luke 14, you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection that in the uncertainty of the world, that that is actually the most certain investment. Every other investment is uncertain. That investment is certain. You will be repaid. And that's our, our first principle today from this text, that though life is uncertain, pursue long-term investments, practically, financially, but especially as we think spiritually and generosity. But then continuing through our text, we'll move to the second principle. Because life is uncertain, don't put all of your eggs into one basket. Because life is uncertain, don't put all of your eggs into one basket. Look at verse 2, moving on to verse 2. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. 
So you say, again, what is this saying? Well, if you were to turn to the NIV translation, again, I would say an interpretive translation. Verse 1, it was saying, put your grain on ships, send it out, and you'll receive potentially something in return. It's long-term investment. But then it says in verse 2, invest in seven ventures, yes, in eight. You do not know what disaster may come upon the land. And so it's saying that, yes, life is uncertain. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't engage in long-term investment, but yet don't put all of your eggs into one basket. Don't put all of your grain onto one ship and send it out into the ocean that you may not receive anything back. And so he says, invest in seven ventures, yes, in, in eight. Give a portion to seven or even to eight. And this is a, a principle of investment. If you know anything about investment, you probably have heard people talk about diversification. Uh, this is from Investopedia. Diversification is a technique that reduces risk by allocating investments across various financial instruments, industries, and other categories. It aims to minimize losses by investing in different areas that would each react differently to the same event. Again, this is a principle. Don't put all of your money into Bitcoin. Uh, <laughs> don't put all of your money into one investment. That, that, that is unwise. It, it's, it goes against reason, and it goes against the, the wisdom that we see in Scripture. And I think it's fascinating that, that this principle is actually stated in the Bible. That yes, the Bible is a spiritual book. First and foremost, the Bible is about our problem of sin and God's plan sending Christ to deal with our sin. But the Bible is also a practical book that as we read the Bible, there's, there's practical wisdom for the daily aspects of our life. But remember I said that there, there's two levels to this. There's the, the very surface level where with verse one, we were saying, Yes, we should invest long-term, but the ultimate investment long-term is not financial, but spiritual. That's the bringing in the whole teaching of Scripture on the idea of investment. And I think that it's similar here for verse 2, that there is a, a principle that we shouldn't put all of our eggs into one basket as we think about spiritual investment in the realm of generosity. I was talking to, to Jonathan about this over the week, and as you may know, uh, he's been going to Kensington with Tom and some others, Roseanne, a few others from the church have been um, going down to Kensington to, to give uh, water bottles and bananas to people on the street. And one thing that I've been struck in hearing them talk about it is how some people they, they meet end up getting better and make it out by God's grace. Some people they meet, they help, they end up getting worse and the streets of Kensington become the, the graveyard in a sense. But as you think about generosity, there, there's this idea that, that it's wise to spread it out among many different people. That, that I don't think it would be a principle of wisdom to say, I'm going to help one person in Kensington. I'm going to give everything to one person uh, because, yes, that might make a difference, but it may not. And I think that that would be discouraging that you pour everything and then nothing happens and makes you not want to cast your bread upon the waters, not to, to serve or to be generous in any way. But I find that 
that when you when you cast widely in terms of generosity, that that it keeps you going, it keeps you encouraged because some people are helped, some people aren't, but you get the sort of short-term encouragement from the people who are helped and you're not discouraged by those who are not helped. And so as you think about your own generosity, you're giving to your church, that's the starting place for a believer, but you could think about missionaries, you could think about charities, individuals in need, that you're, you're casting your bread upon the waters, but you're, you're investing widely, that there is benefit, wisdom in that, even as we think about generosity. But that's the, the second principle then from our text. Because life is uncertain, don't put all of your eggs into one basket. But then here's the, the third principle. So we're moving on from verse 2 to verse 3 in our text. Because life is uncertain, don't wait around for the perfect moment. Don't wait around for the perfect moment. Look at verse 3. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. And so verse 3 is saying that as you think about cause and effect, after the fact, cause and effect is obvious. Look, the sky is dark. It rained. Well, of course it rained. The sky was dark. There's a storm. The tree fell to the south. Of course the tree fell to the south. We, that tree was rotten. That tree was leaning in that direction. Obviously that tree was going to fall because it was not a healthy tree. That you know what happened after the fact. But... If you consider something in advance, it's far less clear. There's times that the sky is dark, but it doesn't rain. There are times where the tree is rotten and leaning and it never falls down. You can't always predict things in advance. And therefore, verse 4 says, He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. That if you're always looking at the signs, if you're always looking at the sky, if you're always looking for the, for the perfect moment, you're not going to, to do anything. I think about our spring picnic where I canceled it because everything is saying it's going to rain and then it cleared up in the afternoon. Uh, that, that, that is saying that, that that happens in life, that, that sometimes it's, it's not predictable. If you wait around, you're not going to do anything. And one of my favorite Proverbs is Proverbs 22 verse 13, it says uh, that the sluggard says, there is a lion outside. I shall be killed in the streets. And so it's saying that the, that the sluggard is saying, it's really dangerous out there. This is not the time to go out. It's not the time to do anything. Let's wait until the lion is gone and they stay. But that's the, the wisdom principle of scripture that it always, especially as you think about a long-term investment, whatever that long-term investment is, it always feels like the wrong time because things always seem too uncertain. It always seems like you can just wait a little longer and conditions will be better. I mean, this can be true as you think about financial investment. This is true as you think about generosity, that people always say, I'll begin to be generous once I have a better job. I'll begin to be generous once I build up more savings. I will begin to be generous. But as it says, that, that if, you, if you wait around, you'll never sow. He who regards the clouds will not 
reap. But I think it's also true as we think about coming to Christ for salvation, that there can be this sense of, I'm going to wait. I'm going to stay a little bit longer in my addiction. I'm going to stay a little bit longer in my unrepentant pattern of sin. And eventually, I will pray for God to save me. But right now, the prayer is, save me, but not yet. Just give me a little bit longer to continue where I am. I'm not quite ready. I need to think through one other theological issue. I need to work through one other question. But it says that he who regards the wind will not sow. He who regards the clouds will not reap. That if you wait, you will never come. But that in Scripture, the call is always to come to Christ today. That, that the day to, to sow to righteousness and to reap steadfast love, using the words of Hosea, is always today that, that we, we turn to Christ now, not regarding what people will think, not regarding... Um, our own desires, but knowing that today is the day of salvation. And so again, that's the, the third principle in the text. Because life is uncertain, don't wait around for the perfect moment. But then here's the, the fourth and the final principle in our text. We're moving from verse 4 to verse 5. Because life is uncertain, don't be arrogant. Don't be arrogant. Life is uncertain. Look at verse 5. As you do not know the way the spirit comes to the bones in the woman, in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. And so he's saying that there is there's mystery that as believers, as, as Christians, we believe that humans are body and soul, that there is intrinsic value in the human being. We believe that, that life begins at the, the moment of conception, that it's a valuable human life from the very beginning. But there's mystery because we don't know how that happens. We don't know where, how is it that, that this clump of cells suddenly has spiritual value, that there is a, that it's a, a body and soul together, the way that that happens is a, is a mystery. It's, it's beyond our, our understanding. And it's the same thing with the works of God, that we see the works of God, we read the Bible, we know his love and his faithfulness, but we don't fully understand it. We can't piece it together. We, we can't name all of the uncertainties. And so it requires humility, great humility, as we think about the world. And look also at, at verse, verse 6 there. He says, In the morning sow your seed, and at evening withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. I heard someone say recently that, that humans are, are terrible at predicting the future. We're pretty good at tracking a line. It's going up. It's going down. Uh, and we kind of assume that if it's going in a particular direction, it's going to keep going in that direction. And so we can make somewhat reliable predictions. But when it comes to things that, that, that crash into the world, that change the situation, we're, we're bad at knowing that. You can think of the, the economic crash back in 2008. There were a few people who were screaming from the mountaintops that it was going to happen. 
But even some of the smartest people didn't see it coming, that, that it, it, they, didn't, they didn't know. And that's where we need profound humility, that life is uncertain. We don't know what the future will bring. And we can't always control the future. We don't know all of the circumstances that will come. And this especially is true for riches, that yes, we're to be wise as we think about investing what God has given us, whether that's savings or financial investment or generosity. But it says in 1 Timothy 6, verse 17, that as for the rich in the present age, charge them not to be haughty, don't be arrogant, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, that there's no, nothing more uncertain than riches. There's no, nothing more uncertain than money, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. And so if you're saying, where can I find true and lasting certainty? That true and, and lasting certainty is not found in anything in this life. It's not found in our bank account. It's not found in our own attempts to do good deeds, that our certainty is found in and through Jesus Christ alone. Because we know with certainty that he loves us. We know with certainty that he lived a perfect life. We know with certainty that he died a sacrificial death on the cross. We know with certainty that he rose again from the dead in victory over sin, death, and the devil. We know with certainty that if anyone confesses with his mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believes in his heart that God raised him from the dead, that he will be saved. And we know with certainty what Paul says in Philippians 1, that I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. That, that Christ has made a spiritual investment in his people by pouring out his blood on the cross. And he will guarantee that investment by his grace, not by our efforts, not by our work. And remember, I said that you shouldn't put all of your eggs into one basket. And that's partially true. You don't invest all of your money in Bitcoin. Don't give all of your money just to one person, even as you think about generosity. But when it comes to Jesus Christ, you can put all of your eggs into the basket of Christ. That You can put all of your investment into the basket of Christ because the return is not uncertain. The, the return is guaranteed. And that guarantee gives us actually the strength to face the uncertainty of our daily life. Look at once more at the final verse of our text, verse 6. He says, In the morning sow your seed, and at evening withhold not your hand. So he's saying, keep going. Start working in the morning. When it gets to be evening, keep working. And you would think he would say, because that's going to guarantee results. But he says, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. That we're tempted to say life is uncertain, therefore give up and do nothing. But Solomon says life is uncertain and therefore keep up the good work, keep working, keep serving, keep giving. And we can stay engaged in that because we're not left with the uncertainty of riches. We're not left in the uncertainty of maybe I've done enough good. Maybe I haven't. Will God accept me? We know we're accepted through Jesus. But rather, we can hear the words of Galatians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. And this is where I'll leave you today with these words. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. He says, And let us not grow weary in doing good. 
for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Let's pray. Father, without you, we would drown in an ocean of uncertainty without knowing up or down or which way to go. But we know that in and through Jesus Christ, we have a certainty, not just the certainty that we will die, but the certainty that we will be raised up with Christ on the last day, that to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord, that the moment we die, we are with Christ. And Lord, we pray that that certainty in Jesus would, would energize us to be, to be faithful, to manage the resources you've given us wisely, whether that's our time or our money or our generosity. We pray that we can handle uncertainty as best we can. Uh, but Lord, I pray that we wouldn't have a false sense of certainty, that we would have humility in Christ. Uh, but then also we wouldn't have a false sense of uncertainty to think that we can't know anything. And so we pray that we can take hold of Christ today, that we wouldn't wait, that we would not just observe the sky to wait for the perfect moment, that we would rest in Jesus alone for salvation by the Spirit in the gospel for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.